All right. Episode I don't remember of the Art and Span show. We've done a couple of them now, and uh, we are happy that you are joining us, whether you're listening through Q106FM.com or the technological advantage of grabbing the RSS feed and putting it in your podcast, which I have done. And can, it may- we can do an RSS feed from our website? Yeah, if you go to the website, you could like subscribe to the RSS feed. I don't know. It's one of the buttons. Look on the look on the thing, or you could just download it and throw it onto your I iPhone. I just download it and throw it on my phone. There you go. Someone I want. Yeah. So I, I want to do a, a, a recap real quick of the Shannon mm-hmm. Tweed. I call her the Shannon Tweed. You should call her the Shannon she, Tweed. You know how like there's some like mythical creature. She is like a mythical yes. like. Oh. Except she was in real life and naked a lot. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Yeah, but I I, I did watch the the VH1 thing. Okay, of, of her. So did the whole thing where yep. her and her and Jean. it was the most uncomfortable thing ever. Yes. It was yes. great though. It's like watching a crash accident in slow motion where you know three yep. people out of the five are gonna die. Yeah, but you can't get up out of your seat or change the channel. The part that was uncomfortable was the fact that like the kids were like, "Yeah, when are you get," and he just kind of just sat there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's funny. This guy gets on stage in front of tens of thousands of people on mm-hmm. regular. This is a guy who's like against all odds turned their very basic ridiculous music into a multi hundreds of millions of dollars affair it's just like arnold like you talk we talk about these people that just literally come to this country with nothing but it it brings up the topic and and the thing is is we write stuff down like hey we're going to talk about this this and this but i have to bring this up this is one of the topics that that i wanted to discuss anyway was anti-marriage people Anti-marriage people, it, it, of which I am one. I know, but and I am not one, obviously, because oh, no. I'm married. But and I have how a, many times? Six, seven? No, eleven? No, this is a one marriage. One marriage. I know, I'm a sinner. Seven, <laughs> seventeen babies and yep. one marriage. Everybody really thinks. What, do you play football or something? Everybody really thinks that I have seventeen kids. I, in all reality, okay, I have seven, and I know that that seems like an astronomical amount. But when you consider that three of them are triplets, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I feel like people are like, oh, you had triplets? Oh, okay. So it wasn't just like you had seven kids with seven different women. But I mean, the point that I'm getting to, I am disgusted with this new culture. And, and I'm surprised that you have. Well, actually, I'm not surprised at all because right. you're anti-baby, anti-marriage. And I understand that. I'm not anti-baby, anti-marriage. I'm anti-baby, <sighs> anti-marriage for me. Okay. And that's fine because you have understood that, you know, listen, I don't want no kids. I don't want to get married. That's fine. But it's the people that preach it onto others and try and get other people to change their mind. I was listening to another radio show, and they were talking about how there's uh, I don't know how the subject got brought up, but long story short, the guy was like, marriage is the worst idea ever. You should never get married. It's the stupidest idea. Now, listen, if you're talking on the aspect of getting the government involved in your life, yes, I think it's very stupid. You know, getting the state involved and getting I hate that aspect yeah, of it. Yeah. But the fact that it didn't work out for you because your wife cheated on you or because you're a miserable piece of crap. And that's the reason why you're so anti-marriage. That is a stupid opinion to have. It is a stupid opinion. To have. I. I've been cheated on before. It sucks. I got cheated on with uh, the the girl that I was with cheated on me with an MMA fighter. Oh, That's a winless gross. battle. And, gross. and and I I held on to it for so long and I was like, God, I'm sorry. And then I just realized like just because you know, I guess with growing up, I've realized that one relationship doesn't dictate them all and doesn't set an example for what the rest of your life is going to no, be it like. Doesn't. You know, now obviously I've had my fair share of ups and downs, but I would never, if someone was like, "Oh yeah, we're getting married and we're in love," I'd never be like, "You're an idiot." 
shut up. The worst idea ever. But I would like to hear. I'm 100% comfortable telling people that because and <sighs> my problem with marriage is most people do it all willy nilly. It's like the idea of marriage is supposed to be like you and your partner, uh-huh. male or female, with male or female, get together. Right. And you exist theoretically in perpetuity together what we have most times people like i like you enough let's go ahead (laughs) and it's like i like you enough is not a reason to get married the problem is what happens with most people is like a guy who doesn't really have a woman that takes a very intimate interest in his life uh he he just doesn't get and finally he gets a girl who likes him and he's like do you do you want to keep getting in the bed with me like for a while and she's like Okay. Why you know, do you have these thoughts? What happened? It, nothing. You see, it was funny. People ask me that all the time. Yeah. Nothing happened. I watch people live. Okay. <laughs> I watch what people do. I watch the mistakes that they made. And I was like, you shouldn't be getting married. Yeah. And then, like seven years later, they're getting married. They're getting. They're getting a divorce. Right. And it, it, what it taught me. Overall, if we're going to break this down real philosophically, is the idea we got plenty of time that people get married. <laughs> As part of a life journey. Mm-hmm. And when you find someone that you think, oh, they're good enough, then you're kind of supposed <clears throat> to see where that goes. Okay. The trials and tribulations, the ups and downs, the difficulties when you want a divorce because she cheated on you, but you can't convince the judge that <laughs> you deserve 50-50 custody, so you barely can see the child that you love, even though you know this woman cheated on you. Yeah, it's these are the things <laughs> that make us the humans that we are. These are the yeah. paths that we take to develop us as characters in our own dramas that we take to our graves. And yeah. It's all part of that journey. The problem is, I think people could live more fulfilling lives if they were more, uh, if they're more careful about who they chose to marry. And I understand that aspect of it. I guess my my thing is, is uh, you know, dude, your uh, thing uh, is, uh, ah! okay. no, no, because I met my wife, and a year later we got married. I'm so surprised. I know, right? I don't make it. No, you don't make. You don't make. <laughs> it wasn't you don't a, make hasty decisions. But it wasn't a, a hasty. I feel like after 30 days is a hasty decision. I feel like after uh, a couple months is a hasty decision. But I also feel that um, when when you find someone that's that important in your life, I feel like a year is enough time to really. Learn someone and, no, and, no. and well then that's a no. difference of opinion then okay but i will say <laughs> that sure meeting someone in a week later you get married that's a little crazy but my thing is is the grand scheme of things who am i to judge that's that's my thing it's not even about judging it's it about, is you're a judgy mcjudgerson i'm not a judgy mc okay i am a judgy mcjudgerson <laughs> just not in this case i'm looking at this like look okay when i look at people who i care about i want them to be happy i want mm-hmm. them to be the happiest do you care about me yeah, okay. I care about. I mean, I can't do nothing about all the choices you made. You can't be too late. <laughs> I can't go in the back of the. Past. I could have dragged you away from the wedding. <laughs> I could have dragged you out of that bedroom if I'd have known you had to grab you by your collar. Like, come on, are we leaving? They're like, no, no, she's so pretty. No, Art, you gotta go. You gotta go. Put put the box down. Put the condom box Stop down. Stop it, leaving. Jesus. Yeah, but but the thing is, is I yes, in certain situations in my life. Um, I don't feel like any anything that I've made has been a mistake. I really don't. Exactly, and that's the key. That's what woke me up out of this very, 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 very mean-spirited, it used to be, opinion on people shouldn't get married. The idea that when people make these rash decisions mm-hmm. and they end up making lives that grow and proliferate and build and yeah. like learn things and build things and develop things and make relationships, I was like, we're supposed to do that. Like... 
We're supposed to be a little rash with our decisions. That's why the earth gave us passion before it gave us intellect. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. When you grow up. She's Mr. Thing, philosopher today. Yeah, yeah, You're not two hours of sleep and you are just. I'm good. Maybe I'm good. No, man. It's. The earth makes sure that the first thing you do is cry when you're hurt, cry when you're hungry, cry, 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 cry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't teach you. You must intellectualize. No, no, no. Intellect yeah. comes later. Intellect is how you reshape the emotional landscape that you exist within. But do you think it's a lack of intellect if you feel like you haven't made mistakes but instead learned lessons from it? Not necessarily. Like, if if you feel like you learn lessons from doing heroin— Okay, you know, I'm sure you have, but maybe you could have not done the heroin. Well, yeah, okay? but the thing is, is and, and obviously, you know, you could do heroin once and be like, hey, I never want to do that again. Or you could get trapped in a hole and you listen to Alice in Chains and do all the heroin you want. But what I'm saying is, is I feel like my life has led me to the point of where I'm at now. And every mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer in and I know that this is like literally the definition of my space in 2000. But everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And you put that as your cover photo or as your pro profile picture or whatever and and you believe that but i seriously there's a reason why from every from the reason why i was stuck in traffic this morning to the reason why i met you to the reason mm-hmm. why we have this pot it's all a bigger picture of things yes. that i don't understand Agreed. and i feel like uh you know the the people that i've met the relationships that i've had the relationships that have lasted and that have not lasted have led me to where i'm at now and yes. i wouldn't have learned those things had i not gone through them now is ignorance bliss? Yes, I could go through and continue to make these stupid decisions over and over again. Uh-huh. But I feel like I've reached my 30s and I feel like I've reached a point where I've met the love of my life and I've and I've settled down and we have a gaggle of children and we have, you know, issues and problems just like every other marriage and relationship. Yes. But it just bothers me so much and I guess I shouldn't be I was you, about to say like why are you bothering you, people you br- judging McJudgerson ideas? Know, but you brought this up to me last week and we were talking obviously off the mic and you said you said something along the lines of like you have to stop caring what people think and say of you pretty much is what you and that is my biggest crutch is that like we could post this podcast and somebody could be like this is the worst thing I've ever listened to in my life and you would be like okay and I would be like (laughs) you know but it's with age and with learning that I have to get over these things well see hopefully you learn the lesson differently than I did Mm because I entered this this radio business at the age of 30 Mm -hmm. you entered at what 20 yeah, 19. Yeah, 20. 19. See, you did it the smart way. Okay, you get it. Eh. When you have no, when you have all the emotional like things going on and all the passion and all the time and energy to pursue your thing. Yeah. Like I was a fully grown adult um who decided this is going to be my career. Mm-hmm. So, I had to do all the painful paying your dues things while I was also pretty much a formed adult. Yeah. So, I was getting to the point where like th- some of the decisions in my career that were made for me hurt more now than they would have when I was younger. So it kind of And why is that? Because when you when you are when you are when you've like let's say you're you're a, you're a math major, right? You go to school okay. and you're learning linear algebra. Linear algebra is everything. This is what you want to do. This is what you da, 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 da. and then one day you show up to work at your job you've been working for 15 years off the doctorate you earned back in college and they tell you oh by the way linear algebra is not enough 
Mm -hmm. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just, we did some research and it's just not enough. Oof. Wait, there's no warning. There's no preparation. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just how it is. So you are less than valuable to us. We're going to move you to this other division where you're antiquated way of thinking. Is that what design. happened to you? It feels like it in this industry because... When you put your passion into something, uh -huh. and then radio says, no, we don't think people want this passion, uh -huh. and then you have these listeners that say they want this passion, you're caught up in, who do you serve? Right. Like, you can't start up a radio station to satisfy these people who want this, right. and you also don't know if they will follow you how even many, if you go. How many people have come up to you and said, hey, man, you should start your own radio station? I've heard that a billion times. Yes, I would say a billion would be <laughs> in the gym. Uh, yes. Like, as yes. if I could just go maverick up a tower and, yes. But the thing is, is when you're when you're not in the industry and when you're not dealing with these things, you don't understand it. And I guess that that goes back to the point of marriage, too, or people who are anti-marriage. Yes. Instead of me being like, if you're anti-marriage, you're probably a big, dumb idiot. I need to more understand where you're coming from to understand these things. Because when I look at it, I think of I could very easily be that person. I could be the F, F relationships and F marriage. It's the stupidest thing ever. Just as much as I could be like, why are you like that? You know, it's funny. For marriage being the stupidest thing ever, we still we still do it an awful lot. I know. Like, that's what's so funny about it. Like, I... <laughs> I, but I feel like people are learning, not like especially with the millennial. No, no, really, not learning marriages are they're going up. It's going down. Right, people are financially incapable of doing so. Yeah, that's true. When, when the minimum wage, when when the minimum wage has been outstripped in value by a gallon of gas mm -hmm. and a loaf of bread, yeah, and like a gallon of milk. You can't do the same life you could. Like when my dad graduated college back in the seventies, like he went. He bought a car, he got married, and he bought a house. And he paid off his student debt, his student loan debt. And he went to college for 11 years. Yeah. He did work while he did it. Not full-time. Well, kind of full-time. It was all over the place. But when he graduated, like, he finished his student loan debt in about five years. You want to know, know where I got married? Where? My buddy's living room. I'm not even joking. Like, we... we uh, my friend, our, our friend Tony was there, and yeah. we had a whole bunch of other... There was maybe 15 people. They set up chairs in the living room. Yeah. We, my buddy's a minister, whatever, whoever does the, do, do, do you say I do, say I do, okay, kiss and get over it. And uh, yeah, there was like f 15 people and that was it because we couldn't afford to, and, and it wasn't it, a rush thing because we actually. That we, was, our living room wasn't a rush no, thing. No, 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 no. I know people are going to be like, oh, so you got married and then you had, tri you know, you knew triplets around the way. No, we didn't know until like two months later. But we just, yeah, we just did it in the living room, and well, we got married in the living room, and then yeah, you know. I, I, as far as much as as much as I despise the idea of people getting married prematurely, as I said before, I've realized that people have to make their paths how they make them, right? And th there's a there's a unique concept that changes the the it changes the story of everyone's drama that they're existing in. It's the idea of redemption. Yeah. And women are especially good at that because guys get kind of looped in in failure and women are kind of like, no, let's live this moment. And then later on, they're like, let's live this moment that redeems this other moment, which we now know wasn't. And guys, I mean, we're just kind of, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Because I mean, we love them. And we're, but like, it's, it's like, there's nothing that says Ten years down the line, when you both miracle or work or trip yeah. and fall into some type of like extremely extreme financial happiness right. and opportunity, you guys don't go to Acapulco right. and do like a well, and that's the thing. Wedding and you fly out all you fly out the same fifteen friends and family. Yeah. You say thank you for coming here. Yeah. This is your reward for that for having faith in us. Like 
I gotta play the Mega Millions. Hang on. (laughs) (laughs) But that redemptive nature of everything is kind of what makes it it makes. That's why when you say you got married in the living room, I have absolutely like as much as I I'm like "Eh, people just slow the hell down on marriage. Mm -hmm. I'm like yo. The moments you make are the moments you make. Yeah. Irrespective of where or how you make them, they are moments to be cherished if they resulted to your benefit. Right. You've benefited with three kids from this woman. You've benefited from her company, her passion, her adoration, her love for you. Mm -hmm. And you've benefited in your comfort and succor and faith and love that you offer to her. And together, y'all have built something that you both deem beautiful. Who am I to tell you that getting right. married in that living You're room just was like, a bad decision? And I think, you know, and and to go back on your one point, we, we, I wouldn't go back and change anything. Like when I look at what her and I have gone through and what we're up to now, um, because we, we, like you said, we brought three kids into this world. We have, you know, stepchildren and everything, and we've we've gone through ups and downs that that most people don't go through. But the other thing is, is you know, at that time we were both like, hey, we can spend twenty grand on a wedding and go into debt, or we could just do it in the living room and get it done and over with, and then later on plan. And you know, we're planning for next year to have like a ceremony and all that stuff, and we we want to do like a. Uh, I was like, I don't want to go to Hawaii. Or you go and spend tens of thousands of dollars. Why don't we right. just go to the UP? You know, go check out some water. What what was that look? What you are the most judgy McJudger person I've ever met in my life. You looked at Ew. me like you smelled the worst kind of cheese ever. Like you said, let's go to the The like, UP is beautiful. I mean the UP is Okay, let me tell you what we were gonna do. We were gonna go to the UP, we okay. were gonna check out all the waterfalls, and then she okay. has a family friend that owns a tattoo shop and we were gonna get tattoo work done. That's actually that does kind of sound white trashy, doesn't it? It's our perfect white trash wedding. I don't know how to diplomatically <laughs> express my opinion. We're gonna go up to the UP. We're gonna we're get gonna, us. We're gonna watch your waterfall, and then we're gonna get tattooed to show how much we love each other. Yeah. Like, like where are our expectations? They are way down at the bottom. No. That's when you know that you're poor. When you're like, well, what do you want to do for a honeymoon? Well, I guess we could drive a couple hundred miles and go look at some water. It's more than a couple hundred. Miles, bro. More like more like about four, five hundred. But I mean, you know, I again, you like what you like, how yeah. you like it. Like yeah. I remember, there's this, uh, there's this YouTube, not YouTube, it's a live, <laughs> live stream video. It's whatever. Is this? Is these Latino fellas with like tattoos and stuff? Uh-huh. Like, and they're like, yo, we're gonna drink this this thing called Sears Grauman, and it's like fermented fish from like Ugh. Northern Europe. And it's like part of a cultural exchange. They sent something out there and they sent that back. It's like us sending like potato chips and right. them sending like, if you go to China, them sending like octopus chips. It's like, it's a cultural exchange on like things that we ordinarily wouldn't think to eat. Right. But they, so anyway, they opened up like dude punched the can opener through the top of the Sears Ugh. Grauman and the smell mm. made all three of them start puking Ugh, right there, God. right then and it's there. It's fermented fish? Fermented oh fish. My God. I didn't know fish could ferment. I thought they could rot. Right, and then it's just bones and like Yeah, soot. but I guess if you store them in a certain kind of oil and a certain kind of temperature and a certain oh kind of way for a God. certain amount of time, they become a Northern European delicacy that to us smells like the mixture of ass and feet after you've been hiking for 16 Blit. months. It's like, I don't know. Like, all I know is people in Northern Europe, that's what they value. Yeah. People here, 
we don't know how we can choose to value it right but that's not what we value we right. value potato chips yeah you we value, value what you know exactly yeah. so what you know is what you value so if you want to watch waterfalls and get tattoos <laughs> for your wedding who am I to say? We'll I mean, if, I'm still going to make some fun of you for we'll it. We'll see if Uncle Kid Rock can come out and <laughs> Next subject, speaking of great no, concerts okay, and yes. live performances. Yes, great concerts. You, yes. uh, you went to go see Fever last yes, night. Yes, I did. I saw <laughs> Fever 333 last Which, night. Which, let me... <laughs> Let me furthermore apo- Go ahead and explain how you have a history of canceling. Okay, dates. so here's the thing: is that I get up really early, and Span lives the lifestyle of what a 20 year old lives. So like you are still like when you told me two days ago that you stayed up and you got like two hours of sleep, and you still came in here and got your job done. That to me was amazing. I, so you're like, hey, I, I told you, I was like, my wife's giving me a night off. You know, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I never, I'm usually home 24 seven. And you're like, well, I'm going to the fever show. Do you want to go? I was like, count me in, man. Put me on the list. And you're like, all right, cool. And then I got home and I started to realize that like getting up at 430 and going to the gym the next day was going to be next to impossible because I'd probably get home if it stayed till the whole end of the Like, what time did you get home? I got home at midnight. Okay, so that's not. But anyway, I have to yeah, get but six I had hours an hour of sleep. And a half drive. I don't know how long the drive. It would have been an hour for me. An hour for you? Yeah. So the show, it was just fever. Like they had no opener. What? Yes. Yeah. It was just and sold out, mind you. It was just wait. Fever. They had no. They had no opening act. I showed like the doors were seven thirty. So I'm thinking the opening acts on the stage by eight eight fifteen. Right. I got there at eight o'clock. I talked to the door guy. He go, yeah, don't tell anybody. But the show doesn't start till nine o'clock. I was like. What? So two hours of people just standing around? Well, not me. I got there at 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so it was only not one me, hour. Not me, but they did. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. They can, they, if they want to sit around and stand around, it's more power. What? Yeah, but the guest I took was like, yeah, we, next time for this show, because she really likes this band, next time we're going to go and we're going to get up front. And I was like, you know what? Okay, cool. We'll do that. Where did, so you guys obviously were on the floor, but you kind of just mingled in the back? Well, it was, in, it was, it was still in the shelter. No, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I thought it, it was. The, when you look it up on Google, it says St. Andrew's Hall. Wait, and I thought since I heard the show out. sold out, you it was went to be a shelter. you went to a once in a lifetime opportunity. You yes, understand? I like I feel even worse because yes. okay, so in the world of like rock and just music in general, yes. and if you're not familiar with Detroit and the concert venues there, it goes like this: if you want to talk about a really small, intimate venue, there's a couple, and one of them. Are, uh, is the shelter. It's where it, the, the main thing is Eminem go to start there. It's a lot more than that, though. It's, yes. a, it's a legendary concert venue that fits maybe a couple hundred people. No, it's more like three or four hundred. Right. Yeah. And then above that is St. Andrews. So, and I'm not going to go into, you know, and then there's this and then there's that. But the fact that you, that you went to go see Fever. Yes. And they played in the shelter and it was completely sold out clearly. Yes. That's insane. It's the first saw in Detroit. That is insane. Like, when you get to see moments like that, you have to take them. Like, they're very <sighs> precious. Because to see a band, it's like and it's you, like getting in on the ground level on Microsoft. Right. It's like the memories that it gives you as they continue to blow up. And make no mistake, Fever 333 is going to blow up. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, I mean, excuse me, they're in the process of blowing up. Yeah. I'm saying they're going to blow up. He was like, I was telling my guests, I was like, yo, this show is like 
good because we get to see them now. Yeah. Like, they're probably going to be on arena tours going in the future. Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe. You saw the pictures and stuff from uh, Sonic <sighs> Temple, a.k.a. Rock on the Range. Like, Insane. dude just carrying mic cord three, four hundred feet into the crowd and standing on a random balcony with security holding him up just so he can say, we're coming in, MF, coming in, MF. <laughs> I mean, it's when you see moments like that on YouTube from this band, you get hype. And then you see this dude crawling on the cage for the sound people who are manipulating the sound. Right. And he is coming in, mother, coming in. So, I mean, that, that, mm. so nine o'clock, show kicks off. Yes. Balls to the wall. Yeah, there was like a curtain with their Fever 333 cat on it, and it comes down, and they're just like running hither and thither, jumping. How, though? Because the shelter is so... What, what did they climb? Like, at the shelter. Well, what? the guitarist jumped on the bar at one point, and, like, the way he was silhouetted by, silhouetted by the lights, like, I had a weird, like, homoerotic moment. Because, like, <laughs> he's standing up there on the bar drinking. I mean, not drinking, but playing his guitar and tossing his hair and stuff. And you're like, that's hot. Like, it's insane. I'm not into dudes. Right. And but not- you can appreciate a good-looking dude yes. showcasing his talent. I mean, that picture right there is yeah. going to get you all the girlfriends you can handle for <laughs> the insane. evening. So and, they were on the bar. Yeah, Well, that was him. Yeah. Like, at one point, Jay, the lead singer, or lead rapper, well, both, he climbed up on the sound cage, and he's got his long mic cord. People are holding up over their heads, and he is just, like, he is just... Screaming into the microphone, man, and like flipping his hair, and just je- I mean, he's in the air like Spider Man, like, yeah, he's in the, he's like six, seven, nine feet all in the air. Like, I can't yeah. see his feet, but everything else is perfectly visible over these six foot fools that are blocking my spot everywhere else. But oh my god, the energy was just how bad. long did they play for? Uh, they started pretty much right on time at 9. Uh-huh. And they played until about 9.54 when they went off the stage. And then they came back three minutes later. Right. And then they did, were coming in, and they did a couple others. And then that was Yo. I assume that they were probably at the merch table later. Mm-hmm. But, like, I didn't stay. I was like, me and my guests, we peaced out. It's crazy because, you know, the shelter, if you've been to the shelter, you know how tiny it is. Mm-hmm. And I went to go see... It was, um, I'm trying to, oh, it was the Acacia Strain and a band called Left Behind. And the great thing about the shelter is, is it's such a small venue that you are forced to be introduced to new music. Yes. Like, with big venues like St. Andrew's Hall, even upstairs, you can go all the way to the back and kind of ignore what's going on. Yes. When you're in the shelter, you can't. Like, you can barely hear yourself think, let alone talk. Yes. But with that... I found the importance of going to shows early and learning about the bands that open up. And that's why it's so shocking that few, but with fever, you know, it's a, you brought this up to me that Tom Morello said, like, I, I feel so bad for the band that has to open up for fever because you can't like, you can't this uh, span. And I watched the video yesterday. <laughs> you want to talk about a workout regimen? <laughs> that dude I'm watching it and sweating. I'm like, man, that puts my half an hour in the treadmill to shame. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, man, you you got to witness a once in the next year they will be at St. Andrews. It's a, it's a guarantee. I, there's no there's no guarantee. They yeah. may be on an arena tour with yeah. Prophets of Rage. Like yeah, that's who I see. Yes, yes, Fever three 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 opening up for Prophets man. of Rage. I mean, or who else can do? Who well, you else? heard about the rumors, right? No, there's rumors that there's a possible Rage tour coming. 
No. Yep. And it's all over the internet. I'm going to pull the article up while we're talking. Zach but... De La Roca coming back. Oh, my God. Is and people rain. act like he hasn't been active. He's been active, but he's been active with like Run the Jewels. He's done, a, I think, a song or two with them. Yeah, he did that with them. I was, I, when I heard him with Run the Jewels, I was like, how? What I don't understand is Zach De La Roca's voice is so powerful and so preeminent in the in the rock in the rock world and in the rap world. Like he has creds in the rap world, but for some reason, like he just. You know, he just goes off and does like whatever. They, I mean, I'm sure there's a measure of activism he's involved in. Yeah. Probably family stuff. Oh, yeah. But like, I mean, this is a dude who could be touring anytime he wants anytime. to add another swimming pool to his house. You, you, uh, in the instance of this, and basically the, the article says Rage Against the, the Machine hint at reunion, an emotional photo, uh, as drummer Brad Wilk has sparked hopes, saying, uh, quote, hug it out, hashtag RATM, hashtag 2011. Uh, somebody commented and said, you guys need to reunite. You're like the Avengers, the people of Rage Against the Machine, the evil empire is striking back. I'm telling you, there is not a better time ever, ever in the history of ever for them to get together and do it. They could easily sell out Little Caesars Arena. Easily. Easily. If they were to do, okay, but you would have to build it up in the sense of you would have to do Rage Against the Machine, Fever 333, and another big band. Prophets of Rage. Yeah, Prophets but then that's Rage. Tom Morello do doing Prophets double work. Of, no, Prophets of Rage. Not just Tom Morello, the guitarist and yeah. the bassist too. Yeah. <clears throat> You're Man. talking about Prophets of Rage. They played an arena tour their first time around yeah. with an EP, okay? Yeah. So they basically played Cypress Hill tracks, Public Enemy tracks, yeah. and Rage Against the Machine tracks. And then they went and did their own original music and did another tour. Well, but now they've got enough content to do their own original Cypress Hill uh, Public Enemy tracks. Yes. So you could do Rage Headlining, Prophets of Rage and Fever. God, things would burn. Buildings would burn. And I think that that's the problem, though, too, is a lot of these arenas, would they really want to take that on? Because, the way the, uh, listen, we're not a political podcast, but the way the political environment is right now, things would burn. Well, here's the deal. There's a natural obstruction that prevents things from going, getting damaged. That it's is true. the price of the ticket. Yeah, There's a lot true. of people. Yeah. I mean, people people might protest outside, but yeah. they're going to be wearing red hats and having their opinions. Like, people inside yeah. have a very specific agenda, and it leans very, very Man. liberal. Like you, I mean, you you're just not gonna see people pay money. Like right. if 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 Trump rallies had like a twenty dollar fee, like <laughs> you wouldn't see too many people showing up to protest. Why would you do that? Just stand outside and do your thing. Yeah, that is true. So like, when you yeah. put it when you put a price on it, why would you pay seventy bucks for a ticket and then exactly. go light a light a, uh, a a seat on fire? You know, the more and more I think about it, though, man, that would be like it needs to happen. It just you know what would be crazy. This would be crazy because you want to talk about another political band. Forget Prophets of Rage. Do Rage Against the Machine, System of a Down, and Fever. Okay. That, okay. That's selling out football stadiums. Unless, unless I'm thinking too big. But to me— No, no I, th I think—I I think, don't think football stadiums would do it. I think they could just charge a really healthy price yeah. on an arena ticket. Yeah. Like, that right there takes an arena ticket from, like, 35 bucks to, like— 95 bucks just yeah. to get in the door. I would pay that. I mean, now you're starting to mess with Bruno Mars money. You yeah. Know? And it's it's like... But imagine that show. Oh. Who would headline? Who would headline? It would be like It would have to be things. Rage, though, I think. It would, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Just because it's it a comeback tour. Yes. But, like, when would Profits play? 
Yeah, but then put profits on the put them on the shelf for a second. Like yeah, this I don't, is bigger. Yeah, I don't think there'd be any profits. Like they, no. I mean, profits has some pretty cool. But music they've been touring like. consistently. They could take a break for a year, and they could yeah. you know you could do a rage and system and fever tour. And the States, then yeah. take it worldwide. Could you imagine them in like Brazil in front of 40,000? Because w- the thing is, is people don't understand that we're, we are so privileged and blessed to have some of these acts in the United States yes. that they, they will sell arenas, but yes. over overseas, you're doing 40,000. They're, no, they're doing soccer stadiums, yeah. man. Because everybody yeah. in Brazil knows this is the only time we get to see them. It's like <laughs> yeah. we can see them right. an hour drive away, right. and then a two-hour drive away, and then a four-and-a-half-hour drive away if we want. Like, when you know this band that you love is coming to Brazil, yeah. and you know this is the only time you're going to see them for the next four or five years, if ever, when we're talking about Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Like, these people... Like they are coming wow. from a mad like people. Brazil is a massive country, and you would have people fording up river. Yep. Before they even got to legitimate civilization, yeah. like yo, I, I I must see the rage against the machine. You like, want to talk about some of the strongest people ever created? <laughs> the Brazilian people are like just in the sense of like uh, uh, jujitsu, and just I mean, if you look at it from a sport aspect, and you look at it from a coming up in some hard. Upbringings, Whew. Brazilian people. There's no. There's yeah. Brazilian insane. people don't live as hard as we think. Like all we get to see are the favelas, which are the places like like where people are poor and broke. But it's like people outside of this country who believe that all black people come from the hood. There's a whole lot of middle class black folks out there. Yeah. But like the middle class and the upper class don't sell stories. Brazil is also one of the most violent places ever. Ever. You want to? I watched. uh, What was it? Like uh, it was a prison documentary. About Brazil, Whew. people think Rikers Island is rough. People think like you know San Quentin's rough. No, nah. nah, like man. Brazil, it's like dirt floors, heat, constant heat, constant. Like even in the winter, it's hot there. Like and people that train in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, not mm-hmm. all of them, but enough of them were like, oh, your yeah. conventional wrestling background got nothing on. No, that. you're losing your arms. Like you're losing, <laughs> you're losing your arms. Like they're just gonna get snapped off. But no, getting back to, I mean, that would be, man. I think that it would sell out instantly across the country. Yes, but that's Fever's break. I feel like if Fever could get a break and especially with Tom Morello saying something I feel like people don't say stuff just to say it and Tom Morello is not one of those people that's going to give you credit unless it's due and Fever has put in their time they've been around for a while I mean yeah a while is like a year and nine months but it doesn't matter look at how much they've blown up in a year and nine months well that's what's so funny like once upon a time I was talking to a guy in a band and uh, his band was blowing up like they were taking over the scene around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Wells, good buddy of mine. And uh, I remember talking to him about the whole band thing. And he'd been in band since he was 14. He was then like 29, 30. Okay. You're talking about a 15-year veteran of touring, of making albums, Ugh. of working with bands, of booking tours. Which I don't know if you've ever booked a tour. Ugh. Booking a tour is literally the most miserable experience I have being on tour is we were talking about this the Dude, other day I would rather be on tour than book a tour Booking yeah that's a true. tour is just like it's the stupidest most ridiculous thing ever but 
That said, he said, if your band is going to do anything, you will know within three years. Like, if your yeah. band is five years and nothing's happened, move on. That's true. And this is a guy who'd been in bands before. I mean, I think that there's bands that pop out of nowhere, you know, or yeah. gain notoriety or whatever out of nowhere. Maybe, you know, they get picked up on a leg of a tour and maybe yes. that happens in years four or five. But that's very difficult because at that time, your bandmates and maybe your manager, if you even have one or your label is so... Like, ready to just throw in the towel. Yeah. I mean, three years is a long, like, you and I have been doing this radio thing for, and we're just getting to a point to where something might possibly happen. And we're like, you know, and, but when you're putting in years and years of being in the backseat of a van and you're just, Uh, and loading other dudes, loading your own girlfriend or wife and or kids. And if you don't have a roadie, loading your own gear and doing your own sound check. Like, I see bands like, like driving into the winter mm -hmm. and then driving back into the summer. Yeah. Like all over the country, making sure you have the, whether you need a jacket, just having it in storage in your but van. Yet, but yet get pissed because they're 20 minutes late on stage. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like people don't understand. And it's until you work, like not to be like, I've worked in the music industry, but working in radio is working in the music industry. You work with record reps, you work with labels, you work with bands that come in for interviews and they're tired. And that's where, the, you know, that's yes. where I hate to say, but that's where drugs come in because you got to yes. stay up. You got to do this interview. Hey, an energy drink mm-hmm. isn't going to do it. You got to do this and then you're addicted. And then, but see, it's a double edged sword because it's either you don't blow up. Or you blow up and then comes, unless you got a powerful willpower, yeah. drug addiction comes to keep up. Like, people don't understand how easy it is when you're on the road. Oh, my God. And there's nothing to do. Like, you and I were talking, you got a 24-hour period. You got, let's say, eight hours of sleep if you're lucky on the road and you're sleeping in a bus. And you, a haven't little, sli- you haven't taken a, a legit shower in at least right. a week and a half. Then you get to the venue. Then you got to load in. Then if you have a merch person, that person sets up the merch. If not, you have to set up the merch and the yep. merch table. Then you got to do a sound check. Then you got to do a meet and greet. Then you got to wait for your two openers, if you're lucky, to do their stuff. And then you get an hour of vindication. Yeah. An hour into an hour and a half and of this is this is the idyllic situation for a band that's touring right and hasn't blown up yet. Right. Like you're in a position where you can kind of make your own destiny. Like you're making the equivalent of like thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. If you're lucky. But you're squeezing it out and you're paying it out all the time. Yeah. Remember you're probably paying for a residence and you're on the road, mm-hmm. so you're not there to protect that residence. So you have to make sure that residence is protected somehow, that your landlord's not going to kick you out and throw your stuff out while you're on the road. Yeah. Like, it's it's risky and so Yeah, you don't ways. even think about that stuff because you still got to pay rent back at home. Yes. Well, I mean, you can— You, you still got to pay your bills. Well, you mail the check five days early just in case <laughs> and hope it gets to him because if—or her. If your, yeah. rent, if your landlord decides, I did not get the check, so uh, I threw your stuff out. Yeah. Congratulations. It's just crazy to me because, like, you— like, I know I've already brought them up, but one of my favorite bands of all time is the Acacia Strain. And last year, they toured three times, okay? They played in Detroit twice and in Flint once. And you got to figure, that's coming to that specific area three times in a year. And then you times that by how many cities, by how many tours, by how many meeting. It's just so much, man. It is. And then to consistently be not a douchebag. Like, you deserve an award. Like and, and listen, I'm in no way kissing bands' asses, but it's a job that I do not want. It is. It is. I can't I, justify going to a fever show because I don't man, want to miss for real. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got your 11 kids. To watch I know. Before, I so, know. I mean, they don't care about any concerts. Right. They're they, getting up. They, they care about making sure their bellies are full. Yep. Making sure they yell at you when you go when you're driving to school. Yeah. 
It's, I mean, it's, yeah, touring is a skill in and of itself, which is funny because you also see bands that become what's called tour warriors. Yeah. Like, the tour is all they care about. It's like, you've seen, did you ever see The Hurt Locker? Yeah, a long time ago. Well, I think it was, it wasn't Jeremy Renner's character, it was the main character in the movie, but like, he had done two tours and he's on this tour, and some stuff happens that kind of makes his life difficult mm-hmm. out there. So, you know, his tour is over. He comes home, and he's just kind of sitting there annoying his wife and kid. Like, he's trying to be present for his wife and kid, yeah. but he's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. So all he figures is, like, I'm going to go on another tour. And it's like, it's just, I mean, what is it like when the people you love, you know the best way to benefit them it's is by sending home a check. Yeah. Because being in their presence, you actually hurt them well, because the thing that you do so alters you that dramatically. I think that people get the misconception, too, that being on tour in a band isn't work. Like, it's work, man. Oh, my God. It's, it's work. Hours unless, work. Unless you're like a Post Malone. To where it's a little bit easier work. Yeah, it's the work, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get to the point where you blew up and point one percent. Yeah, Post Malone went from working at like a donut shop. I'm throwing this out there. It's not really what he did, or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't care about Post Malone that deep. But <laughs> he went from that to like literally touring large places that yeah. make him a lot of money. Like, I, that's ideal. Like, most people, they got to trudge it. Like, you take a band like Nothing More. Yeah. Nothing More is one of the most amazing touring and recording rock acts that I have ever seen. Yeah. And they are just now to the point where they can lock in a 1,000 people right. for a show. They've been doing this since 05. When I, uh, I interviewed, I used to work at a rhythmic station, so I interviewed Post Malone right before it was... Hold on a minute. Yeah, Hold go on. ahead. I didn't mean to liken going on tour to doing a tour as no, a no. military person. I'm not trying to say the two are the same. I'm saying there's elements are similar. Right. But I'm not saying one is just like the other. I just want to put that out yeah. there anyway you're talking no, about. No, but it, you know, you mentioned Post Malone or I mentioned Post Malone or whatever, but I I interviewed him at St. Andrews Hall. So like right before things got really big to where now he's uh-huh. selling out arenas and he made me wait 45 minutes so he could play the new Battlefield. So it's like, and he had a nice tour bus, and it was all decked out in Dallas Cowboys stuff. So in that instance, when you reach that level, is it hard still? Yeah, it's probably boring. But when you can make people wait, and and you can, you know, say, I mean, there's a big difference between playing at the shelter and playing at Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. You know, and the difference of touring in between that is private jet, tour bus, bus, or if you're lucky, a big passenger bus where everybody can fit in. If you have... If you're at the point where you can afford a tour bus when you're doing shows at places that are like 1,800 seaters, like St. Andrew's Hall, yeah, and you're comfortable letting your 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 interviewer wait 45 minutes on yeah. your bus while you play Battlefield, then you are at the place. Mm-hmm. Like he's that that's when he's oh, arrived. and then he skyrocketed everything past else, that. Yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> but he skyrocketed to that. Yeah, like he went from a SoundCloud rapper to yeah. a St. Andrews rapper in approximately eleven and a quarter minutes. Yeah, like that's I mean that's pretty fortunate. It's that's nuts, pretty, man. There's a whole bunch of brothers and white dudes out there in the rap game mm-hmm. who have been doing this stuff for five, six, seven years who have capable tracks who cancel out arenas. Man, Rakim is the greatest rapper of all time mm-hmm. and if he tried to sell out little caesar's arena like they try and throw him out on his ear right so it's like i mean it's, uh, there's levels to it man 
There's levels to it. There's We're just trying to get four people to listen to the podcast, so that would be great. Uh, if you have listened to this, thank you so much. We appreciate it as always. Episodes are uploading when they upload at this point. Oh, are we wrapping this up? Yeah, right we got to wrap this up. I can try and do it around 45 minutes, and I got stuff to do. I got. Man, I'm just. Go- I'm just getting. Started. I know, but I got pets. I got a pet of the week coming up. I got all this stuff to do. You know. Oh my God! Got- you and this job thing. Yeah. How dare you? We've got we've got levels. There's the you know we don't want to be too loud. There's people actually here trying to work that are. T- the second I see a suit walk in, I cancel it. I'm like, we gotta stop. Yeah, we gotta stop because they see us having fun. And so, no, I'm just joking. Just joking. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We'll have a new episode uh, later this week or next week. I don't know. They upload randomly. They will come when they come, and you will listen when you can listen. That's right. They will come when they come. <laughs> anyway, all right. On that note, see ya. <laughs>